Hey folks, welcome back. This is Andy and this is the Almanac of the Poor Proles. Today we're talking about everyone's favorite spice, the spice of life, your spice and mine, marijuana. Yeah, buddy. We're here today doing a holiday special here with Nash Flynn, who is going to tell us about all kinds of things about one of the coolest plants on earth. We're going to do a little bit of history and try to bring it up to modern times today. Hey, everybody. So let's talk about cannabis, baby. Cannabis is the Greek and thereby the OG name for weed. Now, there's a reason we mainly call it marijuana in the U.S. and why the term cannabis is just for when you're feeling fancy about it. And guess what? Is it a racial issue? Ding, ding, ding. It's racist. But more on that in a few minutes, because the history of cannabis actually predates written history. And I'd like to think that means it also predates racism, but I'm not that much of an optimist. Well, that's a cannabust. What? Nothing? Fine. So, wait. Wait a second. Weed predates written history. It sure does, buddy. Evidence suggests that humanity has been cultivating marijuana for use as a textile fiber as hemp for 10,000 years, but its use as medicine is slightly closer to our time. The father of medicinal marijuana, or so we think, is an ancient Chinese emperor slash deity called Sheng Nung. Yeah, so there's two different kinds of, I guess, cannabis, sativa. Hemp is the cool cousin of cannabis, but doesn't produce or produces in small amounts, trace amounts, the psychoactive chemical in cannabis that you buy in adult recreational use or medical facilities. Hemp is the one that is used for fibers to make textiles, rope, and even some plastic-like materials. But really, is there anything ancient China wasn't good at? No. Ancient for a reason, I guess. China! They're not sending their best herbs! Oh my god, Trump definitely uses a hard H when he says herbs, doesn't he? Uses a hard R, first (laughs) off, Matt. Ooh, contention in the almanac. They both work. (laughs) Herbs. So Shang Nung is one of the three celestial emperors who lived prior to written Chinese history. The celestial part was largely meaning he's part god, which is both cool and definitely how I assumed the history of weed would start. But Shang Nung isn't just credited with the advent of weed as medicine. In fact, Andy's gonna love him. Big silver pasture guy. You don't <laughs> know what that means. It's okay. Correct, I don't. He was the father of farming, actually. He's credited with the invention of the hoe, the plow, the axe. Be a boss. Never forget how to hoe. I'm not done. Irrigation wells. Damn. Still not done. Weekly farmer's markets and the preservation of seeds. No wonder he was a god. Oh, and acupuncture. Done now? Yeah. Uh, and wait. Shenang was absolutely killing it. Talk about like a pillar of the community. Well, I mean, he also theoretically invented the use of plants as medicine, but that was sort of implied already. And he shared it with the world. Let's call it Spreadison. Oh my god, I think Andy is trying to flex for a comedian. Hey, don't hurt yourself, big guy. <sighs> Yikes. <laughs> anyway, our boy uses cannabis to help treat gout, malaria, rheumatism, and then like basically all the other diseases. His book, The Divine Farmer's Herb Root Classic, is the first mention of medical marijuana in recorded history at around 2700 BCE. But the book itself dates from around 50 BCE, or at least the copy that exists does. It appears to have been written or compiled during the Western Han Dynasty, which is several thousand years after Sheng Nung existed, if he existed. And I say if because A, history can be a bit in the weeds that far back, and B, his but, um- And B, 
Okay, I'm done. And B, his followers say he could look inside of his own body to see how plants were affecting his health, which probably was pretty unlikely. Depends if he was also working with mushrooms. Just saying. But his influence is a huge part of Chinese folklore and farming practice, and hell yeah, using weed as medicine. He was basically ancient Chinese Jesus, and is as likely to have actually existed. The highest of fives to China. Thank you very much. Hell yeah, cure-alls, dude. China was using the plant for hundreds of years before that as fiber to make paper, fabric, and rope. Shang Nung just decided that maybe it would also be helpful if it was lit on fire. This podcast is about one thing and one thing only. The immortal science of fire. The fire beavers, dude. The theory rings true a little bit, I think. It isn't to say that they were just using it as medicine either. We've got plenty of evidence to say they were just using it to get high. You know, for religion. For God. (laughs) (laughs) For insights and shit. It's all about perspective, man. And cannabis in the ancient Asiatic region wasn't just limited to the living either. In fact, weed, burned and not burned, appears in multiple grave sites excavated by archaeologists. Delightfully, archaeobotanists working in the Gobi Desert in 2008 found two still green pounds of it in the grave of a shaman. Did they actually find two pounds, or did they just report finding two pounds? I can only hope that they were cool enough to keep a pound at home for themselves. After testing, they confirmed it was very close to some of the varieties of weed still grown in smoke today. It still definitely contained THC. So here's my time to shine and learn all you people who don't know what THC is, but... Elliot going to give you a learning. Yeah. Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol is the active ingredient in cannabis plant not found in hemp that makes you experience a euphoria, a.k.a. high. It can be neat, I think, if you can remain calm, but it does elevate suppressed emotions that can manifest as paranoia. But it's called getting high because it can raise those things way deep down that you don't want to think about, but maybe you should deal or cope with them to grow as a person in time nope i want shirts that just say weed no it can be neat (laughs) it can be neat that's the whole slogan that's the show night everybody that's like the anti-dare program (laughs) (laughs) say maybe i guess that's as real as it's gonna get say i'll try it once dare question mark just say maybe it can be neat fuck you nancy rickett From China, marijuana makes its way along the Silk Road West, arriving in India around 1000 BCE. And it becomes integral to life in that part of the world as well, as nomadic tribes carrying cannabis and its uses into the area settle with the indigenous people there. Out of the intermingling... Fuck yeah, intermingling. Yeah, I love me a good intermingle. Intermingling of those people emerges one of the oldest surviving written languages in human history, Sanskrit. And in Sanskrit, we have copies of the ancient texts of the Vedas, which mentioned cannabis as one of the five sacred plants. The Vedas are the beginning of our understanding of ancient Indian history. Also, different biomes means different strains, which is apparently so fun. The slang term for weed sort of came about because it can grow in a lot of different places with its strong adaptability, but those different places produce different strains of the plant, which if people can do it with wine, let me do it with cannabis and let people enjoy things. Yeah. From like a botanical standpoint, that treats uh, called phenotypic plasticity, and it takes a lot of energy to maintain this quality in a population's genetics, but it does mean that it gets to be sort of like a jack of all trades. Thanks for showing up, Matt. I'll use my degree for something, damn it. Well, to be fair, we did cover that like 
six episodes ago. So maybe you're just like a really dedicated podcast listener. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Maybe. He fucking loves us. I mean, this is probably the only thing you're going to get to use that degree for, right? Maybe. <laughs> wow. It's not like you went to school for English, Nash. Hurtful, but fair. <clears throat> so in India, like in China, cannabis is also used by its deities, with the god Shiva being sometimes referred to as the Lord of the Bong. So Lord of the Bong because she can reach them big, long, milky god bongs with all those arms? I think you might have the wrong god, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, bang, B-H-A-N-G, the Hindu word for cannabis. So the title's still available. I'm working on it. I'm going to claim it. Now, to get me more of those god arms, and I don't mean guns this time, and holy shit, don't tell my wife I said that. Lord of the bong. Is that like Lord of the Flies, but for people who are high? Wait, Lord of the... Don't fucking say it. Lord of the highs. Ha! All I can picture is like, you remember Johnny Castaway? Back like in the 90s when you download screensavers, there's this one called Johnny Castaway for you people under 30. Now everyone's going to get high because they don't want to listen to the story, but God damn it, I'm telling it. There was this screensaver of this dude named Johnny Castaway, and basically all he did was stay on this island with like one palm tree in the middle of it and do these like random antics. Like there's just that one palm tree, and all I can think of is Lord of the Highs is just one bong in the middle of the island. That's my story. Yay! Everybody clap now. <laughs> You're welcome. I think it was about 2001. I'd smoke a little bit of weed and like pretend to space travel through the stars with absolutely no destination in mind. And that's how I killed about 15 to 20 minutes when I was supposed to be doing my homework. Still had a better GPA than I did. Yeah, that's true. Study high, take the test high, get high scores. Nailed it. <clears throat> Are you guys? We're done here. You're done? Okay, cool. Well, cannabis is Shiva's favorite food, and even in modern times, celebrations of Shiva usually include cannabis. But weed doesn't stay in just China and India, either. It never stays secret for long. The Scythians are a group of nomadic people that originated somewhere between Russia and China, likely Siberia. They travel extensively in the ancient world, and guess what? Marijuana is their goddamn shit. And they also, and this is unrelated, apparently are really good at horses, which is a very interesting thing to be good at in ancient times. God, I wish I was good at horses. You can be good at anything if you're high enough, Matt. Well, you don't have to tell me twice. The Scythians are also super scary, and even though they don't write records of their own, the ancient cultures surrounding them in 900 BCE make note of how goddamn terrifying they are. Herodotus, in Histories, writes, None who attacks them can escape, and none can catch them if they desire not to be found, which, holy shit, you guys, what an impressive epitaph. Oh, God! Ooh, you really caught yourself there. You probably need to go to the hospital. Damn it, this is the second time this year. Do you know if I should take it out or leave it in? Have you heard of the poor Pearl's Almanac? Do I look like I need a book right now? My leg! Bro, I got you. It's a podcast. We can play it on the ride in the Wii Woo. It'll help you learn all this kind of outdoor stuff. The, the Wii Woo, what the- Stay focused, bro. Let me pull it up. Bro, did you know you can make coffee out of acorns? You alright? Okay, so good at horses because they murdered everyone who said otherwise, and they probably had shitty weed. <laughs> and it is literally written in the histories, so I guess it is an impressive epitaph. They're going to be so much cooler when I tell you that the Greeks made specific notes that the Scythians really didn't take baths in the traditional sense, but they did love a good steam. 
and into their cool-ass ancient sauna, they tossed a bunch of hemp on the floor because, honestly, why not? So what you're saying is basically weed spreads like a weed to the rest of the world. But, um... No, no, we're not saying that. We're not editing anything out, ever. Ever again. I'm firing Dom. Sorry, Dom. This is how you find out. No more edits. We're doing it live. It falls back on you, idiot. <laughs> doing it live. Every day I regret more and more the gross misuse of slang and verbal abuse of puns on this podcast. I swear to the weed god. We're doing you. way too many Alex Jones commentary these days. I don't know what's happened to us. <clears throat> Carry on. At this point, the ancient world is trading and collaborating and fighting all of the time, so we just sort of tags along for the ride. Is this where, like, the ass, gas, or grass came from? Tagging along for the ride? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We had to let him have one. In Mesopotamia, cannabis is used spiritually and medicinally. Its medical uses grow to include treating lice, skin lesions, and certain kinds of lung diseases. As it makes its way to Egypt, it gets associated with the sun god Ra and is used in burial rituals. But the Egyptians don't just stop there. They add topical applications to its medical arsenal, and that includes inflammation of the vagina. So weed is basically both the duct tape and the WD-40 of the ancient world, right? But wait, wait, what is inflation of the, you know what? <laughs> Inflation. You're such an accountant. Inflation. Inflammation. Inflammation. Yes. Don't put that pussy on a pedestal. Uh, no, not not my America or Egypt, I guess. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm here for your content. You just Thank keep God. me around. I'm like the golden goose. They're laughing at you, clown. <laughs> You're welcome. They definitely are. Yes, they're laughing with me, first off. The world laughs with me, Elliot. It's not how clowns work. Was marijuana used for everything? Yes, but for legal purposes, please keep both marijuana and duct tape far away from the modern human vagina. What about WD-40? Also that. You sure? Yes. It does fix everything. Not that. Okay. <laughs> not inflation of the human vagina. So is this just regular weed-induced paranoia, or why are there lawyers or, like, suits with you? Oh, they just, they follow me around just in case. In case of? I can't say. But what I can say is that we can't talk about ancient marijuana use without quickly visiting our friends in Iran. Flawless transition. Thank you. Good at that. Iran is, in ancient times, the kingdom of Persia. Iranian culture is in part branched from the pre-Hindu people heading through the mountains, some of whom go to India, and others to Assyria and Babylon. They use cannabis as a beverage, and that beverage informs the Shamaic rituals that become the Zoroastrian faith. Okay, so that's the ancient world and marijuana. How do we get to where we are like now from like a time when it was cool, not in like the hipster way? What a question. There's a lot of traveling between the ancient world and maternity. Maternity? Oh man. I don't think that's that, the one. That's I what wanted. happens when you have the inflation of the vagina. You have maternity. <laughs> Are you fucking contagious? <clears throat> I don't know, Elliot. Am I? I swear he just makes shit up. <sighs> There's a lot of traveling between the ancient world and modernity. The plant makes its way to the west, but largely as a fiber plant again. It travels with the colonists from Europe to North and South America, but let's skip ahead a little bit and talk about the elephant in the room. Sorry, that's that's mine. No, no, I... No, I can, I can move wait. it. Like... No one's here. 
Nope. If there's elephants, that means peanuts. Anyway, let's talk about how marijuana becomes the big bad of America. It's already here in the good old colonies in the 17th century, but largely white people are using it for fibers again. It gets grown as a cash crop for making rope, clothes, paper, sales. If you could dream it, you could do it with hemp. Even the founding fathers had cannabis crops. Leave it to, like, white dudes to grow fucking fields of wheat and be like, hey, this makes great rope, and that that's, that's fucking it. Give me some of that piss moonshine so I can die of cirrhosis in 10 years. I mean, to be fair, it was the 17th century. I think you want him to be dead inside of 10 years. But I am telling you that, yes. I can also tell you that they called it Indian hemp, which, given that they basically relied on it for everything, was pretty fucking uncool. Anyways, it stays as a fiber plant until the mid-19th century, when our good friend William Brooke O'Shaughnessy, an Irish doctor, that was irrelevant to add, introduced the West to its medicinal uses after living in India for a while. Ah, yes, the famous white man doing white man things. So it starts getting popped into medicines at pharmacies. And the cool thing about lots of those medicines is they contained more than just fun-time marijuana. Cocaine and arsenic were also big in the medicine scene back in the day. Elliot, hit me with that foreshadowing. Yeah, so everybody knows smoking weed as a recreational drug grows in popularity in the more underground cultures of the time. Largely jazz clubs, um, musicians, and Mexican immigrant workers were known to partake and imbibe. And so it's used to cultivate a racist fear of the drug for mainstream America that culminates in an infamous bullshit vehicle that we'll get to shortly, which is only entertaining high. So I'll just leave it at that. Why, why are you looking at me like that? Like what? Oh, nothing. To add to the fear of it, they start to use the term marijuana instead of cannabis to disassociate it from the medicinal use and instead rely on good old racism and hatred of Mexican immigrants because marijuana is the Spanish word for the plant. Elliot? The Angolan word mariamba came up through Mexico as marijuana, sort of homophones and people mishearing and misunderstanding it. That's where it sort of came up. And then we started spelling it with a J. I think it was spelled with an H and lost in translation. But then we also have the fun word pot, which I think is, I, I can't stand it, but that does have the root word patiguaya or patacion de guaya, which is a wine drink that they would make with cannabis. They called it the wine of grief. So that's sort of like the origination of the two words that we use. And then I don't really know when weed took over, but it's easier to say than all of those. But I'm assuming here in America, this all gets worse during like the Great Depression, right? Yes. Yes. Thank you. By 1931, cannabis was outlawed in 29 states, having been connected, that's in quotes, to the influx of Hispanic immigrants and crime earlier in the century. I think we're going to talk about some of the other things that happened during this time period up to this point in another episode in a couple of weeks. It's a real great American time for everyone who's not white in the early 20th century. And honestly, it just reminds me like make America great again is a really great slogan. But please, please specify when you mean by again. Yeah. Make America old growth forests and native prairie again. That's niche like this podcast. <laughs> I think it can catch on. Sorry, Nash. Welcome to our world. Okay. It's well... a very small world, but it's real deep. Like the roots of that old growth forest. And prairie grass. And prairie grass. And prairie... Okay, well, now. And I... the fire beavers. Now I have that love the prairies and majestically clear the forest. 
This is not going to fit on my campaign slogan website. I hope you understand that. This is too many words now. Good. (laughs) Only a second bumper. (laughs) Tanked on underneath. So now enter huge asshole Harry Anslinger, the head of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, who started his work in 1930. 90 years later, I get the wonderful job of reading this guy's quotes. Marijuana smoking by white women makes them want to seek sexual relations with Negroes and detainers and others. It's a drug that causes insanity, criminality, and death. Aren't you so glad you went to college for this, Matt? So fucking glad. So glad. Thanks, Harry. Got anything else to add or maybe apologize for? Another one of his quotes goes, Reefer makes darkies think they're as good as white men, so probably not. Jesus Christ. I know, right? They put entertainers and black people like on the same boat. Like entertainers are the worst, I guess. <laughs> I do want to be clear. Those are real quotes from a government official just doing official government things. Just like today. Just like today. No difference at all. No modern parallels. With Prohibition basically a huge failure, Harry sets his teeth in getting rid of cannabis for good. Not a good can of buddy. Wait, wasn't everyone still using this for medicine? Yes. Indeed. But if it gets banned... Yep. yep. So our lovely boy Harry sets out on a hate campaign, which results in the absolute delight of a film, Reefer Madness, in 1936. Has anyone seen this movie? Yes, I have. And this is that infamous bullshit vehicle that I referred to earlier. In summation, this movie blames weed for everything that has happened in the era of cancel culture, from hit-and-run accidents to manslaughter, suicide... Involuntary suicide, conspiracy to murder, attempted rape, hallucinations, and just an overall general descent into madness. And it blames it all on, on cannabis, which is great because if you've ever smoked a joint, you, you know the hardest thing to do is probably get off the couch and make a sandwich and then get back to the couch and like you forgot your chips on the counter. Like remember to take the pizza rolls out of the oven. Right. Burnt pizza for everybody. It's and almost, that's how it begins, the murders, the, the murders. burnt pizza. Yes, it's almost impressive if you could manage to murder someone really high on marijuana. Like, good for you, <laughs> overachiever. But that doesn't bring poor, sad Harry to his happy ending. So he finds one case in 1933 of a known smoker of cannabis who axed his entire family to death. And even though there wasn't very good evidence on that, and also he had completely untreated schizophrenia, Harry convinces Congress in under an hour to pass the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937, which essentially prohibits the sale and use of cannabis throughout America. Which completely ends all marijuana use everywhere, forever. No one listening has ever heard or seen or used marijuana until right now. This is an expose. Correct. No, wait. Potheads underground. Cool people only. Sorry, Matt. Oh, man. Yeah, you can't come. Went to college. Not cool. Fuck. You put that bong down right now, sir. And eventually marijuana becomes a symbol of rebellion as the Vietnam War breaks out. The federal government knows anti-war protesters are common users of the drug. Yeah, and they knew it because they were, you know, selling it. Right. So the government, with Richard Nixon at its head, decided to hit the protesters where it hurts. And in 1970, they issued the Controlled Substance Act, which makes marijuana, heroin, and LSD a Schedule One narcotic. Welcome, friends. The most pointless of all wars. Suck it, hippies. (laughs) He probably said that. (laughs) The war on drugs. (laughs) Hey there, it's Andy from the Poor Proles Almanac, and... And we're not the Poor Proles Almanac. 
You're right. We are tomorrow today. And I'm Nash Flynn from Death and Friends. Tomorrow today is our chance to talk to folks about cutting edge research that helps us understand what tomorrow looks like. But today, we've got exciting guests. And we'll speculate wildly about what the future looks like. Will the ocean currents slow down in your lifetime, leaving temperate climates decimated? Will we go to Mars? Will we drown in climate-induced ocean floods filled with microplastics? Will new research rewrite the history our children read? Will the sun... Is this going to be another Doomer question? No. Tomorrow, today, wherever you get your podcasts, and also on Instagram. Foreshadow me, buddy. As it turns out, making marijuana illegal has negative consequences involving black market drug money that absolutely no one could have foreseen. Oh, wait, I just, I did that. (laughs) Colombia becomes the number one supplier and distributor of drugs into the U.S., and this creates drug cartels. Woo! Unfortunately, we are done being huge fucking idiots in the federal government, and so enters our good friend Ronald Reagan, the McDonald's clown of presidents. I love me a good radio personality turned president. Back-to-back champs. Don't we all? Now, Ronald Fuckface Reagan has a wife, a lovely lady called Deep Throat? No, Nancy. The Throat Goat. She literally had a reputation for giving that slappy toppy in Hollywood. Like, several people like were like, yeah, she was great. Best I ever had. But she didn't do it high, and that's what's important. Nancy Nancy in the pantsy. Very sober. Good at dicks. I mean, that's dedication. Yeah. And it becomes Ronnie's Bride of the White House's mission to end drug use with a lovely little campaign she calls Just Say No, which goes over pretty much exactly how you'd expect. Basically, D.A.R.E. was like a 101 on where to find drugs and the various modes of consumption. It was like, hey, if you see a pipe that looks like this, it's used for consuming drugs. Now, if you put the drugs in right here. And that's that's actually what. There was for me, and I had like a little notebook of all the drugs I was going to try first chance, and then all the other ones that were waitlisted for like hospice or whatever. You think it's because, you know... I'm what, Matt? I was going to say in the same class as Andy. Oh, yeah. Class. That is correct, I, I guess. If only they had applied the same dare program tactics to like abstinence-only sex education. This like, is what a condom looks like, and this is how you put it on, but Jesus doesn't want you to. This is what sin looks like. your teachers are just banging on the table (laughs) oh i would love it oh good increased numbers of black and hispanic men end up in prison for non-violent drug crimes because of the zero tolerance policy of the reagan administration approach to the war on drugs so here's a fun fact as of 2020 there are 40,000 people in prison for marijuana related charges in a country where over half the states have decriminalized or legalized marijuana that was a very fun fact but fun thank you yes so fun so fun for private prisons that need to be filled to make money off of human suffering and denying all actual chances of any meaningful rehabilitation to prove these people can be productive nonviolent members of society it is. It's, it is kind of fun. So in 1996, California legalizes medical marijuana after being one of the first states to make it illegal in 1913. And many states follow suit over the next few years. In 2012, Colorado and Washington become the first states to legalize marijuana outright. Today, 27 states and the District of Columbia have legalized weed, but it's still federally illegal somehow, which has created a whole host of other problems. One of those problems, delightfully, is taxes. Hell yeah. Now we're in my country. Uh Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh. Oh. It's not a good country. No. Trust me. I'm there every day. Yeah. You don't want to be here. I'm a witness. <laughs> so there's no free rides, even when those rides, quote unquote, are illegal. For example, Al Capone found that out when, despite doing a shit ton of illegal stuff, he actually only went to prison for tax evasion. As the house accountant here, there, and everywhere, this is kind of an interesting subject matter, not just because, like, the government is acknowledging you're doing shady shit, and they're like, I'm sorry, you didn't fill out the right forms and give us our cut, so you're going to prison. Yeah, and that's really what it's all about. They just want their cut. And the government feels like a gang or a mob all the time. They have their colors. They rep specific corners and territory. They have muscle. They take their money. They take your money for your own protection, of course. And I only see important people who matter or make decisions when I'm in trouble. So what else am I missing? Yeah, and this really all goes back to a court decision in 1927. And that was preceded by uh, some language that was changed a few years before. And this all starts with a court case, the United States versus Sullivan, which basically was a case to test this idea of taxing bootleggers, because what was happening is they were seeing all these bootleggers living these really lavish lifestyles and paying nothing in taxes. And this was really a test case because they wanted to go after Capone, but they didn't want to risk Capone having really good attorneys and being able to get out of it. So they went after someone lower had a court case basically done and a precedent set because that's how our court system works. It's based on precedents. And in this court case, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. wrote for the court that the Revenue Act of 1921 provided that gross income includes, in quote, gains, profits, and income derived from the transaction of any business carried on for the gain or profit or gains or profits and income derived from any source, whatever. End quote. What's interesting is that although the original law written in 1913 had included the word lawful before business, Congress removed it in 1921, which is really interesting given what was going on at this time with, you know, prohibition. Right. And so this is what we alluded to earlier. They created a black market um, that they knew was going to generate a whole bunch of money that they weren't going to be able to tax, but they could seize it with all of these court cases and arrests and all of the laws that they put on the books right after prohibition created a black market for booze. So they took all of the agencies that they had to enforce all of these laws and just springboarded onto marijuana and started cleaning house, seizing illegal money. And I mean, you got you to think you're seizing more money than you're getting in taxes a year when there's a giant black market that you've created, right? Yeah, you've created the higher risk, which usually drives up prices. And um, what's really interesting here is that the government doesn't just want their cut. The challenge is that as a businessman doing business things, your expenses are no longer deductible as a business. So they basically want to take in their cut most of your profits because most businesses, good businesses, only 20% above the cost of doing business. But now all of that money is becoming taxable because you don't have those deductions. Yeah, that's the cost of freedom. And this is the best country in the goddamn world. God damn it, it is. It's beautiful. What's really interesting, too, is that despite not being able to expense any of the costs of like doing business as a businessman, you can still deduct the legal fees of going to court for not paying your taxes and doing things that are considered non-primary business expenses, like, I don't know, buying off politicians. I think I'm learning something. So basically, most drug dealers should claim to have an expensive legal team of 
teenagers and they'll be eligible for a tax write-off? That would be the smart play. Um, Matt just slid me a post-it note that says, tell a joke. He's very bored. Oh. Does not like confrontation. Sorry, joke here. Sorry, buddy. Just don't like taxes either. It's like, I thought we were going to learn about weed and laugh. Why are we talking taxes? I always do my taxes high and I always have to do a revision. <laughs> so it turns out, study high, do the test high, not necessarily. Get audited high. Yeah. <laughs> do not get high. Sometimes they send me more money than I'm actually owed. So it, you know, it's a wash. There you go. So this gets more complicated. And actually, Elliot can probably speak to some of this. Because as a business, if you are doing any kind of like sort of legal business, like say in Massachusetts where it's legal to sell weed, but it's not federally legal, you have to do things like, I don't know, have like insurance and bank accounts and all those kinds of things. Now, like banks can't keep their FDIC insurance by providing a place for illegal businesses or people to hide cash from the government. That's kind of illegal and they don't want to get in trouble too. So this has become super convoluted because of state and in some cases like city legalization and trying to provide an infrastructure for the businesses that are trying to get into this market, which also has this very complicated issue of, like Matt said, there's a bunch of people in prison for these things and like some white frat bro is like, I'm going to sell weed and it's going to be like super hip and like modern. But either way, regardless of that very problematic and racist history and infrastructure, the actual possibility for these businesses to exist is really complicated. Yeah, I can confirm the industry is, for lack of a better word, fucked. There's a business side and a personal side to that federal insurance that you're talking about. So as a business, you can't use an FDIC insured bank to use business accounts because cannabis is still federally illegal. So there's no nowhere for you to hold your cash or to hold your money while you conduct business unless you use like some state credit unions or certain banks that have figured out workarounds or just ignore it because of the large amounts of cash that'll be coming through their institutions. On the personal side, if you're employed or you make your money from a cannabis dispensary or grow in some of these states, you might have a hard time securing a mortgage because you're getting illegal drug money. Still, that's they have federal insurance for a lot of mortgages because the mortgages are serviced by federally insured banks. So you might not be able to get a home loan because the funds that you're getting are considered illegal, but the federal government will still take taxes out of your paycheck every pay period, even though they're getting those illegal funds. So that that's like that law that Andy was yep. talking about back in 1930. Thanks, United States versus Sullivan, you fucking assholes. Yeah, they really get up in there and, and get them ducats. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add, Nash? I'm just going to, we're, we're good, right? Like You're I can, good? Yeah. You can do your thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Take it. Take it like Nancy Reagan. <laughs> yeah. Take it like, yeah. Mm. How you doing, Nancy? Hit the spot. So good. I don't know how it would sound if you had a dick at the back of your throat. I guess it wouldn't sound like too much. Actually. Wouldn't sound like smoke. Yeah. It'd probably just be like, <laughs> Just slobbery, you know? You're all lying. You've all heard it on the internet. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, Nash, do you want to plug some, if people enjoyed listening to you tell stories, where they could go listen to you tell more stories? I tell stories all the time, just publicly. But if you don't just wander around the city of Boston, 
you can hit up my podcast. It's at Death and Friends, where we talk about death and history. And I get to tell stories on that all the time about dead people, which is my bread and butter. Well, now you can talk about dead Nancy Reagan sucking. I probably won't, though. I probably won't do that. Uh, You can also follow me on social medias. It's at It's Nash Flynn. I'm pretty much everywhere all of the time. Awesome. Not to be creepy. Yeah. That was super fun. Thank you guys for having me. And I've smoked smoked a bunch of weed this episode. I'm really high, so... Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, so thanks for joining us and giving us an education, and thanks to Matt for showing up. I said I would show up. Holy shit, is that an elephant? 